the Traveling Designer Podcast. My name is Rick. I'm your host. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I come to you from, where am I? I am in the San Bernardino Mountains, I believe. It's a little bit, I, I guess it would be east of Palm Springs. Um, I've been in the, spent a lot of time in the desert, and I've been really in need of some trees and some mountains, so I kind of escaped up here for a while. Uh, there's snow in the forecast, so I'll be probably bugging out here tomorrow. Um, I'm taping this. Uh, it is April 2nd. So first I want to say I'm going to I want to um, dedicate this episode to a friend of mine who's no longer here. Um, today's his birthday. Uh, he was always someone who, you know, would listen to my podcast. So I always really appreciate that. So this is for him. Um, so, yeah, and being, you know, April 2nd, you know, we're kind of in the the midst of everything. I mean, everyone's, you know, social distancing. So I hope everyone's staying healthy and and staying in their corners. Um, wow, you know, what a what a crazy time we're living in here. You know, I don't want to talk too much about this because um, I think we're all trying to, to find other avenues or other things we can do to kind of take our mind off of this. But, uh, you know, I always find it interesting that, um, you know, we all always have our unique perspective on how you know, our own unique perspective on the same thing or how we, you know, we handle or deal with certain things. And this kind of leads into what I'm going to talk about. But I guess for me, when it comes to all this, it's, um, I've, sp- I've just got back here about, it's been about two weeks, but I've spent the last two months in Baja, Mexico traveling. So this all kind of got started when I was traveling and it, you know, it's, it's weird when, you know, you come back to, the place you call home, your own country, and you don't even know how, it's so different, you don't even know how to really live or respond to things, you know, we had to, you know, go to the grocery store, and it was like, what do we do, like, how do we navigate this, it seems so bizarre, and, you know, you know, probably it was like two weeks that we were there, and we were kind of hearing things, you know, third person, or, you know, newspaper articles, and, you know, and text messages, and, you know, stuff from our friends, so it's, it was really surreal to kind of come back and kind of see, how different, you know, the place we called home is and was. So, uh, yeah, it's the only other thing I've got to compare it to was a few years ago when before I started traveling, I was living in in Boulder and I went on a on a road trip and I was in Portland and I remember this pretty vividly. I was coming back from a Jason Isbell show, one of my favorite musicians. If you've never heard of him, you should check him out. But I was coming back. It was pretty late at night, and I get a text message. And the only thing I part, I could read part of it, and it just said, "But I'm okay." So of course, that's you know, I was like, "Wow!" So I, you know, s- slowed down and looked at it, and it was a, f- you know, my friend and upstairs neighbor, um, who was coming back from work, and this was during like the hundred year rain that we got in Boulder. I mean, it just like rained for like two straight days, like. In- immensely rained and she was coming back from work because she worked for the newspaper and she basically had to get out of her car before the water took her car away so she didn't go with it which is super crazy so i remember getting home that night you know my parents house and i turn on the tv you know and i say it's two o'clock by this time and like al roker is talking about boulder and showing photos of intersections with you know five feet of water that was you know just a couple a couple feet from or a couple miles from my house so yeah it was pretty weird to see all that you know on tv and then get secondhand knowledge again from friends and newspaper articles and by the time i got back there um it was kind of the aftermath you know you could see the water lines in the buildings and you could you know all the houses were gutting 
their basements out and trash on the curb and all that kind of stuff. So um, crazy time. Then, I mean, this is, like I said, even even crazier. This is like something that, uh, you know, I don't. none of us have experienced. I was traveling with a friend of mine in Mexico who's, you know, quite a bit older than me even. And, you know, he was saying this is the most bizarre thing he's ever he's ever been through. So um, anyway, the last thing I will say is, you know, like hopefully through all this, you know, we can you know, work together and, you know, see our common interests and realize that, you know, we live in a community, in a society, and we're all in this together, and we all have to help each other out to get through this together. And, you know, hopefully there's certain people out there who are turning this into a political issue, but it, it's really a people issue. It's really about all of us banding to, you know, coming together and getting through this and moving on to whatever the new world is going to be so um hopefully we can see that you know look at someone else and see we're all in the same boat right so enough with that so let's talk about baja um like i said i had the pleasure of spending two months traveling down the whole baja peninsula and um yeah i made it all the way all the way to um all the way to Cabo, even though I didn't really spend much time there, and then back up. So that's, you know, like 900 miles one way, and then 900 miles back. And, you know, um, first and foremost, I say it's it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. So if you take anything away from what I'm saying right now, it's like I highly encourage everybody to, to go and travel to the Baja one way or the other. You know, if it's in an RV or a van or even just, you know go drive you know go fly to one of those towns and just hang out it is you know it is amazing um you know before i went this thing all kind of started to percolate last summer um i through the escapers one of the travel groups i'm a part of that i've probably mentioned before they do an event in san felipe um i had some friends convince me to get a ticket so i got a ticket and i remember the first thing i thought about this is when I had my C-class camper was, I'm not taking this C-class camper to Mexico. So that's got me, you know, starting to think about getting something smaller. Um, and then, you know, foreshadowing a couple, you know, months later, I ended up having to get rid of the C-class. I ended up with a scamp and the scamp was the perfect thing for, for Baja. Perfect, you know, small enough to do about anything I needed it to do. And having the Jeep behind it was amazing. I had to use a four-wheel drive a couple different times. Um, but yeah, I'll start maybe get into some of that stuff a bit later. Um, but, and, you know, bef so then fast forward to January, I didn't really have enough time, that much time to do any prep work or any research about what I should do when I'm down there. Um, my dog had surgery and the holidays, it just didn't work out. So I kind of went in not, not really doing much research and not really knowing what to expect. Um, I, you know, even like the train. You know, I, I knew there were these beach towns and my head there was like, oh, I would drive to a cool beach town and then we'll drive, excuse me, and we'll be in deserts and sand and stuff like that. And it's not like that at all. Um, it's more high desert, very green and just absolutely beautiful. You know, we were traveling through one section off Highway 5 south of San Felipe and, you know, we're in a caravan and we've got, you know, walkie talkies so we can communicate with each other and you know, someone, we just said, like, if this was in the United States, this would be a national park. It was so beautiful. Uh, there's, like, cacti that only exist there, and there's mountains that so you have to go up and down. So uh, just that was, you know, was amazing. You know, I guess the other part, too, is, you know, the whole safety thing. 
Um, usually the people I told who's never been down there would, you know, say, well, don't die or, you know, be careful. And then usually the people that have done it before would say, you're going to have a great time and there's nothing to worry about. And I would honestly say that you'll have a great time and there's nothing to worry about. You know, this is like any, anywhere you have to have your wits about yourself and, um, you have to be careful and, and be smart, but I've felt as safe or safer there than I do anywhere, probably in the United States. You know, two things that people always kind of told me was, you know, don't drive at night and travel with with other people. And without really asking questions, I, I assumed I had to do more with safety, um, you know, of keeping safe. And, it you know, it does. And I would still say that you do that, but not maybe for the reasons I first thought. You know, it's like, you know, don't drive at night because the roads are narrow and it's hard to drive on the roads and there's cows on the road and they can be driving going 40 miles an hour and there's a cow right there and travel in groups you know i think is always a good idea and plus driving you know in groups in mexico it's more fun to, to be with people and friends but also you will go through large spaces of large spaces and a very a lot of miles without cell service so if you know you've happened to you know have a breakdown or something like that um it's nice to have people around you know to, to help you out of those situations we someone in our group who was behind us traveling they broke down and had a very very stressful couple of weeks but it would have been 10 times worse if they didn't have people with them so they had a good community of people who got them to the town or you know hung out with them and helped them out with all with all kinds of things so you know i think it's it's a good it's a good rule of thumb to, to just have other people at least close by you know we had some people who would kind of come and go or be like a day behind us but you know, so they were able to get their time alone, but then also come back to the group. I think it's a, a good way to travel. So there's a few things you need, you know, to get into Mexico. Um, obviously, your passport. Um, you need to have Mexican insurance, which is different than your policy in the United States. You can keep that for some things, but you have to have Mexican insurance through a, Mex a Mexican company. Basically, you need liability and you need to have those papers um, in case you get into an accident and then that's different from your American insurance and then the other thing you need too is a F FMM which is basically you spend $35 to get kind of a travel visa if you're gonna be in, in Mexico for less than seven days you don't have to get it but if you do it's something you can get online print it out and then when you go over you know you're going through border security all the fun stuff you need to go get it stamped um, and you know, we never had to pull it out. You know, it's mostly probably if you get yourself into trouble, um, you know, a traffic ticket accident or something, you might have to have it. But it's good for 180 days. So, but yeah, someone might ask, you know, a Mexican cop or something might ask you for that. If you don't have it, you could be in trouble. Um, so it's just something that's, yeah, it's pretty simple to do. Get it online. I think you can actually sometimes even get it when you're at the border as well. I did it online. And then when you go through security, you just walk into the building and stamp it. You also need to have the receipts that you purchased it. So sometimes they'll make you buy it again. Get a little tip right there. And then, uh, yeah, be on your way. So those that will get you in. Then, um, you know, then the fun starts. <laughs> um, like I said, we traveled to San Felipe. So our group, we had 35 RVs that met in El Centro, California. And then we crossed over in Mexicali and drove to San Felipe, which is like a two and a half hour drive. And then we spent a week there. And then from there, people kind of went on their way. You know, some people went back. Um, some people went forward in different different paths. And it was 
really kind of cool because we just had people scattered all up and down. So we would, you know, we would run into people here and there and on our way back or, you know, one night we might have three in our group and one night we might have 10 rigs in our group. So it was really cool, really cool way to travel and, uh, and, and, and see things and, you know, enjoy it with, with friends. Um, if you have, uh, your, uh, Google map out on your phone or something, it might be a good idea to pull it, to pull it out and I can, sh you know, quickly kind of walk through the route that we took and do, and, uh, talk about that. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory really. Cause if you kind of look, there's not a whole lot of roads you can really take, you know, especially main roads. So like I say, we started in San Felipe and went directly, directly South on highway five, highway five pretty much has been a disaster until this year. Like even last year, see people drove it and it took them days to drive something that should have taken maybe a day because it was so, it was just gravel and dirt and the road would end. Um, now it's pretty much, I would say, probably even by now, 100% done. When we were driving south, there was like five bridges they were still working on and we had to take little detours. And when we were coming back, there was only two. So I'm assuming that could be already done. So essentially what you do is you drive, you know, from that, from the seaside on San Felipe, you drive south, um, it goes right along the water. It is really beautiful. And then eventually five will curve over to the other side of the peninsula and you would pick up on highway one. Um, highway one is, you know, definitely rough around the edges and places. And like I say, narrow, um, you know, it's like driving on a, a back highway you know, in the Midwest or something. And that's the main road. So then that road kind of like, you know, you'll be, and by that point you're on the Pacific side and then, but the, it, but one then starts to come back again and we'll come back to the seaside again and start to go south along the sea and you'll go through a couple of towns and then you'll get some mountains in a couple of places and then it will bring you back to, um, to the middle of the peninsula and down and then back to the seaside again to La Paz. And then from La Paz, you have essentially, you can take, you can kind of do a big loop. And I believe if you take it to the West, it is highway 19. It will take you all the way to Cabo. And then it will be one on the other side and it will essentially bring you back to, to La Paz again. So, I mean, it's, yeah, you stick to the main roads and there's not many, there's not, you know, many ways to really go. Um, we took a couple side trips one to a town called mateo which is on the pacific side to go whale watching um we didn't particularly we didn't get to go whale watching in that spot because of weather we'll talk about that a little bit more too and then we also did another one to a town it was called de la de la los angeles i believe and that was on the seaside a little bit farther north and that was a you know a 30 minute jaunt off of highway one to get to a beautiful cove that we hang out for a few days so, um, yeah, it's, you know, we probably, um, did half, half in cities, well, maybe like three fourths of our time in beaches and then the rest of the time in cities, you know, and just kind of really kind of mixed it up. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of beach camping, um, the further South you go, the more, the more free camping you find. We basically used one app the entire time we were down there and it's called iOverlander. Um, it is kind of you know, made for the Jeep people who are trying to get off grid. And I think people, and I think in America, United States, that's more what the app is, is, is used for, but it's great for, for Mexico because, um, it really, a lot of, it does a good job of 
describing what the roads are like and what the beaches are like and if you're going to get stuck and all that kind of stuff. And it has a really good feature of being able to access a lot of information when you're offline because you're offline a lot when you're down there. So that would be the one app that I would use. Um, if anyone's interested, I could put together, I'd actually put together um, a small uh, list of some of our favorite beach campgrounds um, that we went to that I put together for a Facebook group. So I could easily put that in the comments or somewhere if anyone ever wanted it, but it had some, that is marked off some of our favorite spots. And, you know, it's say a majority of those places were free. Um, when it came to, you know, paid camping, you know, I guess RV parks, um, first thing you should probably realize is an RV park in the United States is not the same thing as an RV park in Mexico. Basically an RV park is, in my opinion, is a place where they'll take money from you. You know, they don't necessarily mean there'll be amenities or anything like that. Um, you know, maybe you'll get electrical water sometime, you know, sewer. And even then, you know, the electric is, you know, it's, it's not the best. So you use all that stuff with caution. But I mean, it's very inexpensive though. And the great thing, I mean, a lot of times, you know, the RV parks are great because we could at least take a shower. Um, and most of the time, you know, I think the most we spent in an RV park or a place that we paid was like 200 pesos, which comes out to like $10. So it's pretty inexpensive, but you should go in, you know, I would say if you're going to go down there, it is probably good to be prepared to be off grid, you know, so solar is huge. Um, you know, I mean, I guess generators, but a lot of, you know, if you're going to be end up at beaches where there's people around, you know, most of the time, those people don't appreciate the generator people at all, you know, so, um, be prepared to, uh, be off grid. And I think that makes your, you know, make the, your experience that much better for sure. Um, other things to think about when you're going down as well, you know, the narrow roads, you know, I talked about that before. And wow, I mean, yeah, I mean, having a smaller rig uh, definitely is 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 nice to have because there's a few times when you see a semi coming in a big rig, boy, there there's been I haven't I didn't see any mirrors being taken off, but I've heard that it could happen, and boy, there are some there are some close close encounters, <clears throat> even with my scamp. Like the craziest story that I had from that was I didn't even see this, but my friend behind me did. You know, we're, we're driving, you know, on one of those narrow roads on Highway 1. And I just remember it was kind of a curve and going uphill. And there was a tour bus coming. And the tour bus drivers are crazy. They they have no fear. And they were he was passing me on the curve going uphill. And I guess from what my friend said was the mirror was above my scamp. So if it was, you know, if I had a regular vehicle, it would have collided. But he... He was passing me, and the mirror went over my scamp. And I mean, I remember like white knuckling, trying to stay a straight line because he was like a, you know, out of control. You know, not out of control. Man, he was moving. So, you know, having small, having people have have done it in big rigs. There were we had there were some big rigs that were out there for sure. You know, but you know, some of these RV parks or these places, you know, it's they're tight. You know, the beaches can can have some soft sand and you can, you know, most of the time when you're going to a beach, more than likely you're going to have a bit of a rough road, you know, to go down some of these places, you know, some are worse than others. Um, but you know, people got, people did it. 
Uh, but I, you know, everyone I talked to said they wish they were smaller and a lot of people, you know, didn't make it all the way down. They use a lot of people. There's a town called Mulahe and we ended up staying at a, at a campground there called the Hacienda. And there was an escaper couple that bought a little plot there. So a lot of the escaper people just hung out there. It was, it was great because it was out in the country. There was a organic farm half a mile down the road. You could pick fresh fruit there. They had a shower and a bathroom and a pool. So a lot of people just kind of hunkered there, especially people with the bigger rigs. And some of some of them went to the next town south, which which was Loreto, which is beautiful. And they would just go there for like a. They went there for the weekend and stayed in a hotel because it, that town itself was super hard to get a big rig into at all. You know. So yeah, but you, yeah, so you can do it. But I think, um, you know, a smaller rig, again, will make your experience that much better. Another thing that's always a fun thing to, to deal with when you're traveling the Baja is the military checkpoints. Um, you know, the, the idea I went into with these is they're there for our protection. You know, it's a little scary to go driving up to one of these and, you know, there's a bunch of young kids with semi-automatic rifles, you know, t trying to talk to you. But, you know, they're there to, to protect people and, um, yeah, they're there, yeah, to to make our experience that much better, you know, but it is intimidating and some of them can be a little difficult, you know, none of them speak English, you know, sometimes they will, you know, they want to, you know, they'll ask you questions. They'll go through your stuff. Um, the worst experience I had was, you know, a guy, he wanted to go through my Jeep. So I had to take my dog out and my, I left the leash in my rig. So she's kind of freaking out and there were some wild dogs around and, you know, they, he kept asking me if I had drugs. I think he asked me like 10 times, you know, and then he went went through a lot of my stuff too. Um, you know, the, so the thing I would, you know, my, my pointer for the military checkpoints are, you know, is one, don't give them your passport. Sometimes they will ask for an ID, give them your license. Um, I gave my passport once, you know, I, just, I think it's just a good, thing is never to give anyone your passport because then if they decide for whatever reason not to give it back to you you know you could be in some trouble and the other thing is you know have your id with you you know like sometimes people you put your id in your council or something but you know when they're going through your stuff make sure you always have eyes on them uh, i have heard stories about them you know taking small things but while one person's looking through their rig they will have another person usually ask you questions so you know and ask for your id and ask you about your make and model of your car and certain things like that so it's just good you know if if, if especially if you're solo and you have one person looking through and they ask for your id you don't want to have to walk back to your car to the front or something and, and take eyes off off the person inside your rig so that was the only really pointer there another pointer that i do have for the, the travel part of things is especially in some of the in a couple of the towns farther south um constitution is one of them um come to full stops mexican you know the locals they do not come to full stops you know it's it's like the the stop sign is a suggested stop but definitely make full stops some of these towns the only way they make money off tourists is through tickets so they you know they will pull you over if you don't make a full stop and according to a friend of ours who got pulled over, it's kind of one of those things where they charge you what they think they can get out of you. So either you pay, you know, you, you give them their, your driver's license for them to look at, 
then either you pay them whatever they tell you to pay them, or if you can't or you refuse, they will take your driver's license and not give it back until you have a court date. So it's best just not to get in those situations at all and to just uh, you know, come to complete stops. And and it's really tough to speed in Mexico in my in Baja, in my opinion, because the speed limits are so slow anyway, which I think is great. It just allows you to really to really uh you know, just take your time. So that's some of like the some of the major stuff. I'm trying to think if there's anything else before I you know, I'm trying not to like I'm giving some pointers and trying not to be trying to be positive because everything is it's such a great time i guess the other thing would be is internet that's another thing quick logistical thing we could talk about internet can be a challenge and if you have to work and that could you know be something that you should put a little bit of planning into before you go i didn't i just kind of decided to figure out when i got down there um i would say like if you're something you know if you really need internet and it needs to be something that you need to have full you know full range every day kind of thing i would really actually get on the um escapers facebook page and just tell them just put a comment and say this is what i have this is what i want to do and someone will answer you but for me i have the verizon the full verizon package so in mexico you get calls texts all you know unlimited calls and texts and you get a half a gig of high-speed internet per day which is nothing that lasts you know a half an hour but so then when i got down to mexico i what i ended up doing is just using theirs and you go get a sim card and then there's you have a couple different options you can do the one i tried to use the most was just a two hour and it's kind of cool because you can go online and it's like comes out to like 79 cents and you get unlimited for two hours so i would just work in like two hour blocks and it worked out really well um you know i went into a telcel store which is their internet company they have stores all over in most towns they put the sim card in my iphone they activated it got it all set up i took it and then took the the sim card out put it in to my into my um jetpack and it worked perfectly about um Two weeks after I was doing this, all of a sudden, it wasn't working anymore. And basically, the site went down is what I was told. So the other thing they have, too, are you can buy plans. And I had some trouble when it came to this. And I don't really know why. They have like an 8-gig plan and maybe like a 5-gig plan. And they're still pretty cheap. I bought one for like 500 pesos, which is like $25, give or take. And for some odd reason, I still to this day don't know what happened, I blew through eight gigs of of internet in like three days, which is impossible. So I don't know what happened, but again, you know, I've heard stories about you know everyone has like a telltale story. So you know, I couldn't get an answer on why it happened. The, you know, basically it is did, and I you know like I said I don't really know. By that time, I figured out another way to do the two hour thing again, and I just kind of stuck with the two hour to the two hour thing and that worked out pretty well and I was able to get the work done that I needed but um so yeah that's some of like the technical kind of stuff um you know some of the highlights you know I guess you know maybe the biggest takeaway I took from Mexico was just how laid back and everything you know it it forces you to be laid back the people there are extremely nice um you know let's say you know one of the great things is is going out to eat because the food is amazing 
and it's inexpensive, you know, and you go into, you know, a, a taco place and, you know, yeah, it, it really allows you or makes you just like take a step back and enjoy that time and space and enjoy the people you're with, you know, because, you know, they'll come, they usually, they'll take them a couple minutes to get there and, you know, they'll go make your margaritas from scratch and it takes a couple minutes. And then by the time you probably get to order, it's time for a second margarita already, you know, and then the, you know, it takes a little bit for the food because it's, you know, more, you know, homemade, made from scratch and, and the food, like I say, is, I don't think I had a bad meal the entire time I was there. And then, you know, 99% of the time you have to ask for the check, you know, it's just vastly different from the United States where, you know, for some odd reason, I think, you know, being fast is good customer service, you know, it's like, and people demand that people demand your food to be there five minutes after you order it. And I don't know, I've never been on, on par with that, with the way it's done. So I appreciate the the laid back approach Mexico and the Baja has and you know and I was with good people so it was you know uh, a lovely experience to go out dining and then you, you go and you have two margaritas and fish tacos and you, for like ten dollars and then you're, you're just like holy cow this is the best place on earth so um yeah too you know I can talk about some of the you know the my other highlights for sure was one of the things we got to experience was whale watching and uh we were all on our third time trying because weather always prohibit us from getting it done but finally in guerrero negro a town on the pacific side uh we finally got a chance to go whale watching and oh my gosh like what a, what an amazing experience you know you get on these little boats and you go about it's like a 15 minute boat ride to get to kind of like I guess it'd be kind of the edge of the lagoon and the and the Pacific Ocean and you know and there's all of a sudden there's just whales everywhere and uh, you know I I thought they did a, the boat people you know the boat captains does do a really good job we first got in and we're just kind of like looking around and all of a sudden we saw a mom and a baby up ahead and he just turns off his engine and you know we didn't like drive to them. You know, we turned off the engine and just kind of waited. And then all of a sudden, we never saw those two again. They were just gone. So then we started the engine up and we started kind of piddling around looking. And, you know, eventually, yeah, we had a whale, like, hang out with us actually for a while. You know, it one, it kind of it came up with its nose first and then kind of, you know, went on its back right into the boat. And we everyone got to, like, you know, touch it. And then it would go underneath the boat and, like, um, scratch its back on the on the on the back side of the boats and it was yeah it was incredible and uh there was just times where they're you're just looking out and there's just you know the water spouting everywhere there's just whales everywhere and they're just such a you know gentle creature for being as immensely large as they are it is you know it was it is definitely something i i i, I say everyone should do and it's it definitely is a winter thing it basically the season ends about i think april 1st right about now so it's something that you know then it starts to get hot down there and the, and the whales all start to go back up to alaska again so that is one thing i suggest you do and it's, and it's kind of interesting on the opposite side of i guess one of the biggest things to one of the smallest there's a town pretty far south called todos santos it's pretty far it's only like an hour from cabo it's on the pacific side as well 
and they have a turtle sanctuary there. And uh, kind of, I guess, the story that I've heard is why this all happens is there's nests that, you know, most of the turtles who were, they will go and nest where they were born. And I guess the temperatures have gotten to the point where it's not hot enough for the for the for the eggs to actually hatch so this family has been doing this now for i think 10 years will go up and down the beach pick up all the eggs bring them back to the greenhouse and then they will hatch and then they have these releases again kind of in the winter ends around the end of february and it is pretty amazing like we camped there for three days we were able to camp like in the parking lot of this place and saw the most amazing sunset I think I've ever seen in my life. And there was whales out in the distance. And then every day, right when the sun's going down, they will release these turtles into the into the ocean. And they kind of set them about, I don't know, it must be 25 yards, you know, kind of from the, from the water. So they're, you know, kind of the same thing they would do if they hatched and went to the water, they're kind of the same process. And then we just get to watch all these little, little, turtles go into the water and it's um it's pretty special you know like it's a pretty special thing to see and pretty amazing so it's another thing that i highly recommend people to do um i just loved it like i said we did it three days in a row and it was it was awesome um another kind of cool experience that we had was on the opposite side so total santos is on the pacific side um very far south and then on the opposite side of that is a town called Los Brios. And we were there. We stayed at a free beach um, right, pretty close to town. There's two really cool experiences we had in Los Brios. One being we were all camped out. And we had quite a few people there that we knew. And me and four or five of my friends, we were all playing bocce ball. That's something that we really got to enjoy doing when we were on the, on the beaches and all of a sudden, must have been maybe like five o'clock, maybe six. All of a sudden, all these rays just start jumping out of the water, just dozens and dozens of them, and uh, we're just all just like stop. We're all in awe. I mean, this lasted like thirty minutes, just like rays everywhere, jumping out of the water. And right about the time that stopped, we saw like twelve dolphins just go by, just swimming by, on on their merry way which was pretty cool to see. And then the sun starts going down and just, you know, just with the way the sun was hitting the water, it almost looked like it was the salt flats. Is that in Nevada? I saw them a few years ago. It's just like the water, cause it was a perfectly calm night. Cause most of the time there's a pretty windy little area. Cause that's where all the kite surfers go. But this particular night, the water was just like glass and just the way everything hit it was just, it was looked white. It was pretty amazing. So that was just, you know, we were all looking at each other like, holy cow, that was like something that we'll never forget. And then one thing we were told to do in town was to go to this um, hot dog stand. You know, like I don't really eat hot dogs. I can't remember the last time I've had one. But we're like, all right, let's do this. And we go, we drive into town and, you know, we go into driving in this parking lot and there's not much going on. We knew that they you know, they do all this outside and we can kind of see them setting up a little bit um, at this big grill, you know, so we go across the street and go grab a beer and we're just kind of hanging out for a little bit and we walk back and all of a sudden there's people already there. They're setting up tables and people are sitting down 
and you can bring kind of your own, you know, your own beverage. And eventually, whenever they're ready, they just go from one table to the next and take orders. They basically make food until they either run out of food or they feed everybody. And I've been told, I didn't see this, like sometimes people even bring their own tables with them. And it's kind of a really interesting, you know, this is just out in a parking lot. And it kind of just turns into this kind of community like events, you know, people are just all hanging out, you know, drinking, you know, a beer or wine. People are kind of, you know, not just always just talking to their own tables either, talking to other people around them. And the food was amazing. They I, they did tacos as well. And tote, I, oh, I forget the name. It starts with a T, the name of like their sandwiches. But they're, and then they did these hot dogs. And so I got like this deluxe hot dog. So it was a hot dog within steak on top of that and all the all these fixings like it was pretty amazing and i think the hot dog was maybe like a dollar maybe a dollar fifty you know and then you know and then when you're done you just walk up and kind of tell them what table you're at and pay them you know there's not like they're looking over you or giving you bills or anything you know it was you know it was it was a pretty awesome experience and it seemed like that was you know this parking lot became like the hub of the town on a saturday nights so you know it was uh you know it was pretty interesting for, for sure um some of my favorite towns that we went to um was you know mulahe was probably the, the town that most of us liked the most and i think we liked it because it was you know it was a very authentic town i thought you know it had you know, a lot of, you know, the Baja, you know, you definitely get lots of travelers and lots of people from Canada and America who come and live there and sometimes overtake some of these towns. You know, Todos Santos is definitely one of those towns where, and Los Brios to a certain extent where, yeah, you know, as the people say, there's lots of gringos and sometimes they can kind of overtake those areas a little bit. But Mulahe kind of just had that, that feel to it. Um, you know, the narrow roads and a lot of authenticity in that town and I, you know, a lot of, you know, wild dogs, you know, walking around and really, really cool place. Um, you got mountains near there, the coast, you keep going, you're right back on the coast again. And it's really pretty. If you can keep going south, there's a town called Loreto, which is the oldest town in the Baja. The mission is there. And I think the mission was built in 1697. So lots, you know, amazing history there. And the restaurants in that town were are amazing and it was cool we stood in an rv park that was essentially a half a block from the water and half a block from the town square so you could you know you could be laying we'd be laying in our in our hammocks at night and we could hear the music in the square and you know we were about must have been a 50 yard walk to a brewery which was kind of dangerous <laughs> but we you know ended up spending two times in both those cities and another town where i really enjoyed was uh, san Ignacio, which is kind of more in the middle as you're coming down on five and you're on your way to to Mulahe. and it was just you know it had the the look of the town was what i thought ever what i thought a baja town would look like you know you drive in and it's got the center square with the mission on the end and then there's just kind of like shops and restaurants all around and it is still pretty tiny not big at all and it was just crazy because was, there's a water source near there too so there's there's palm trees everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's palm trees. And there's no internet connect. We didn't find any cell service anywhere in that town. They have one little market there. Unfortunately, on the way back, we were gonna, we actually stayed there, but we stayed like up the way because it rained just like crazy. 
and we we were in a town called Santa Rosalita and actually went through some pretty crazy water where I took some video because there was a couple of times I wasn't sure my scamp was going to make it through. So by the time we got to San Ignacio, um, we stayed in higher ground. The RV park we stayed on the way probably was underwater. Or at least it was very, very wet. So um, yeah, so we didn't get to really experience that the second time around. But um, it's a town that, I, yeah, one of those towns that I really did enjoy and just had that that feel to it and the, the mellowness and the, the people were amazingly nice. Um, I guess another quick question before we, we kind of wind down that I get asked too is about, do you need to speak Spanish? And really the answer is no. Um, I think it helps if you have, you know, if you can, or if you have people with you that can, you know, I think at the military checkpoints, it came in handy. We had someone who kind of was at the head of our caravan um, who would kind of like talk and, you know, basically say that, hey, the people behind behind me don't speak any Spanish at all. And then she would, and we always had walkie talkies when we were in caravans too. So she, she pulled forward and kind of tell us what to expect. Um, and then also, you know, everything in Mexico is negotiable more or less um so maybe except for the restaurants you know but we go to rv parks and we wouldn't negotiate with people um on prices you know and you know goods you know like souvenirs and stuff always negotiable so if we spoke spanish that definitely helped um i don't personally speak spanish um i started to learn obviously pick things up and i would always you know we always would try to always order in spanish all the time like order our food and i think you know the, the the locals appreciate that um that you know and you you get to the hang of it after a while and by the end you know i could i could order pretty much in pretty good spanish as opposed to just like i mean saying i could say suffer to saying words so it's something that you know i would love i'm definitely want to go back next year and and spend more time if i can and i definitely want to start you know i've been taking some found a couple apps that uh that kind of teach you some things so i want to keep learning um but one good thing to also have if you know if you don't speak is um which does an all right job is uh google translate um especially if you know if you're looking up words sometimes at restaurants you can look up words there was a time when i was having some real issues with the tell seller i was talking about earlier where i had to go into a store and kind of get into the weeds about what was going on and i couldn't communicate with her at all or she you know which you know it's not her fault it's almost definitely mine for not being able to speak the language of where i'm at but we would just use google translate to go back and forth and it works you know it's not always great but it you know it does do the job so it's a good thing to have in your phone and uh, have at your disposal i would say so uh another good thing but if you spoke a little bit it definitely um it definitely helps but yeah i think that's you know Kind of gives a good overview you know um i will have i have nothing but good good things to say you know like like i said not really going in not knowing what to expect you know i was a little you know apprehensive you know a little maybe a little you know maybe a little scared about what what to expect and what was going to happen and it just blew me away um i mean everyone you know like i said is so nice i i got to take my dog i would say 98 plate percent of places like even inside you know they they were welcoming the only time i think i ever got kicked out of anywhere 
was at the Costco in Cabo. <laughs> we only went to Cabo to go to Costco because it's, you know, we really reminded us of Southern California and we wanted to get back to the beach. So we stopped at Costco and I was at the food courts. You know, I didn't even, obviously I didn't take Mazzy, try to take Mazzy, my dog, into Costco. I was just at the food court and they politely asked me to leave. I mean, the guy was super nice. He even was like, you know, you can go take your dog and get your place in line again. So super nice about it. But it was kind of funny that the only place was, you know, an American company that wouldn't, wouldn't let her stay. But, um, yeah, very, you know, she, I think my dog had a blast. She made friends with all the, with all the street dogs around. And, uh, I think she had a really good time of, she got to be one of the adults and go basically everywhere. So, like I said, um, if anyone has any questions about anything, I kind of rambled through that pretty quickly. Um, yeah, message me, you know, either through my blog or through Facebook, however you find it. You know, I'll do my, I'm, I will be willing to help out anyone who wants to go because I think it's experience everyone should do. And it's, you know, and it's a special way to do it when you're able to, you know, to do it RVing or do it, you know, in your own kind of vehicle because, you know, you just have that much more freedom of, of traveling and, going up and down and it was great we met so many nice people like locals and other people traveling like just because of the way you're not you know every if you're going you know either you're going north or you're going south and if you meet someone who's going like south the same way you're going there's chances are you're going to run into them again you know we met a couple from wales who who was traveling and we hung out with them for a while and there was a couple um from boulder where i used to live and we saw them two or three different times you know even like two or three weeks later we just end up at the same beach or we drive by in town you know so it was really kind of cool to kind of create that that community that way too of of all these travelers you know all kind of like meandering down the same path but at different speeds so you end up seeing you know a lot of the same people again so that was really it was really cool so uh yeah i highly encourage it and i would help out anyone who was who was willing to to go so uh who wants to go so um i always like to end with a quote so i will i think this is something that kind of fits kind of everything that's happening right now you know especially with uh i mean it's kind of you know when it comes to traveling in baja you know it's not always easy it's not always the easiest thing in the world you know lots of miles to be driven you know um you know travel in, in general isn't always the most easiest thing to do but the reward at the end is is what keeps people going, I think. So this is a quote that I found that I think maybe encompasses a lot of that, but it's, uh, travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts, even breaks your heart, but that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory, on your consciousness, on your heart, and on your body. You take something with you. Hopefully, you leave something good behind. So I thought that was a really cool quote. It definitely encompasses, you know, a lot of, you know, the the traveling mentality, especially, you know, I think lately my travel has changed a little bit and I was, you know, more out there, I think, over so far this year than I've been maybe last year. So I think uh, that encompasses it well. So anyway, that's it for, for this one, for this episode. I appreciate everyone who, who listens. Um, yeah, everyone stay safe out there and you know, keep abiding by the rules. I know it's not a fun time that we're all having right now, but ultimately, you know, it's gonna, it's going to benefit us in the future, I hope. And hopefully at some point 
we can get back to some sort of normalcy, even though I think whatever normal is, you know, what normal was two months ago isn't going to be normal what a month is from now. But, um, yeah, we're all, like I said, we're all in this together. And, uh, you know, keep keep everyone, keep their heads up. Help out people around you when you can. Um, and sometimes remember, you know, you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others. So, all right, until next time, um, everyone be safe out there. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. To listen to all the episodes and to read my blog, go to www.travelingdesigner.co. That's www.travelingdesigner.co.